Okay, y'all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call an audible right here. How do you like that? I'm not going to preach what we were going to preach. I'm actually going to do something on the spot because there's no way I'm going to be done with that sermon that I have prepared now in 40 minutes to get you out of here safely. Uh, so what we are going to do, if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Psalm 42. I read it this morning, so it's sort of fresh. It's kind of weird. I don't know what we're going to say, but we're going to read it, and then we'll figure out what happens up here, okay? So let's look at Psalm 42 together as I turn there. Okay, so here's the text. It goes like this. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go to the throng and lead them in the procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise and a multitude of keeping festival. So why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So my soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan, of Hermon, from Mount Mazar, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to, my, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? So why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Let's pray. So Lord, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your spirit and we, we acknowledge our dependency and reliance upon both. So would you even now kind of, not kind of, would you shine on the page? Uh, would you make these words ring in our hearts? And would they be redeeming words, transforming words, uh, gracious words, healing words, restoring words, reaching and renewing words? And we ask this in your name, amen. Um, those of you that are in Waco, you know that this was a, a, a week in which um, it was a week in which everyone was uh, talking about a, a child who took his life at Lorena. Um, that child uh, was a senior at Lorena High School and one of my son's best friends. The last words that he said were to my son Knox. Leave me alone. Knox came into our house. I came into my room or our room at about, I don't know, 11 o'clock on Friday night. And he said, um, Dad, something's not right. Something's not right. I go, what's going on? And he said, um, this particular child had sent out a text. It was almost like a goodbye. It was a goodbye. Telling he loved his friends. And um, Knox goes, Dad, that's something's not right. So he tried, he did, it. he did everything he could, and so did all of his other friends. And so a bunch of folks got 
kids got in their cars and went looking for him. Um, and I'm thankful that a parent found him first. And so, um, even as I hear things and we sang, there's just certain powerful truths that just hit so home. And I keep thinking, and I, when I talked with uh, Knox, it was uh, the empathy. The empathy breaks my heart. It's like, Dad, he was all alone. How do you feel so bad that you, you do that? Why, why did God allow that to happen? Why, why couldn't we find him in time? And what do you think I said? I didn't say a thing. You had um, a whole senior class that, that met at one of the kids' house, and uh, I sent Slim and Scott to the school to help with the school on Thursday. Um, Ray and the coaches came over to talk to the seniors, were the teachers, the community moving in and helping students the best they could. And um, I mean, it is a horrible thing, right? An absolute horrible thing. And so when I, when I grab a psalm, which I do, I love the psalms, and I read a psalm every Sunday, and um, every Sunday morning to find my voice in the voice of the psalmist. And so in going to Psalm 42, that's a pretty good psalm for a week like this. And it's a pretty good psalm because I think what it's talking about here, if you look at verse 1, it's talking about a body needing water, particularly an animal needing water. But the, the fascinating twist in this passage is not that, it's not that the psalmist is not believing in God. Uh, it's not that. It's what's missing in this passage is the sense of God's presence and his love. Do you see that? I mean, look how he's saying these things I remember in verse 4. As I pour out my soul, he's remembering how there is a deep sense and an experience of God's presence and his love. And I think this is very, very important because it also is tying into what we're all about and being a center for gospel renewal. Belief in God is great, um, but belief in God does not satisfy your soul. We were made, we run on an experience of God's presence and his love. And when we don't have it, we thirst. We ache. We mourn. And so for all of us, I think this passage is very fascinating in this way. I mean, we could highlight that my tears have been my food day and night. That's great. I, I, I don't have any desire to do that this morning. I don't have any desire to look at why I'm downcast or explore that as well. Um, but I think what's fascinating is what the psalmist does in the midst of it. Um, one of the things I heard Martin Lloyd-Jones say in his book on spiritual depression, I thought was just powerful. He says, listen, if you let your soul talk to you, you'll never come out of the deep. But if you talk to your soul, if you take your soul and make your soul remember 
the wonders that are talked about in this passage, uh, that's how God works in our life. It's this argument that goes on with you and me, with our soul, not just listening to our soul, not just letting it tell us what reality is, not letting it define it for us, but actually looking, taking our soul by the hand and saying, why are you downcast, O my soul? Certainly explore the roots of emotional structures. Certainly, why is this happening? But also, put your hope in God, the psalmist says. Counseling his soul to move in this direction, to argue with the power of the scriptures, to argue with the power of who God is and what he's really like. Things like this. One, he says, why are you? he goes, hope in God, for I shall again praise him. Do you see the hope in that? He knows that he will experience the presence and the love of God again. What he's going through does not last forever. And not only that, it will not last forever. So even in those hard words, there's a comfort there, is there not? Knowing that whatever you're going through, it has an ending. It will not last. And that God will again... Um, bring you with the throng and lead you in a procession to the house of joy, to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise. The other thing I think is very important as he goes down to verse 7, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. That's an image of the flood. It's an image of the great chaotic deep. It's actually the real picture, you know what it is, of the exodus going through the Red Sea where you had the deep on one side and the deep on the other, and the deeps call into the deep to actually come back together again. And yet God parted those ways. But notice what it says. I think this is incredible. At the roar of your waterfalls, the deep is still God's. The flood is still God's. So God is at work in the flood. God is at work in the deep. God is at work in the night. And then in verse 8 where it says, By day the Lord commands his steadfast love. That's that word hesed. That word hesed is so rich and it's so complex and it's so multi-layered that there is no translation for it. There is no interpretive word for it. The best word I wish they would just say is hesed, because once you start trying to translate it, you lose it. Once you start saying steadfast love, ah, uh, okay, you got one cut of a multifaceted diamond, but you didn't get the whole diamond. You could say loyal love, you could say grace, you could say compassion, you could say deep empathy, uh, you could say covenantal faithfulness, you could just go on and on and on, because that word gets at the core of who God in the Old Testament, Yahweh is, and it's, his, it's the word that reveals his personal presence toward his creatures, those he loves. And so the sense of hesed is the sense of God's love and God's presence in your life. And so, again, he's talking to his soul, and he's saying, by day the Lord commands his hesed towards me. And at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock. So he's talking about the character of God. Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go on mourning? And again, this is so powerful. The, the point of processing your pain is the point of God beginning to comfort you. 
being able to pray your pain, being able to process your pain is actually the way in which God starts comforting you. It's actually the way that he starts working in your soul. It's actually the way that you start talking to your soul. If you don't go to the Psalms and you don't find your voice and pray your pain, but instead you stuff it, it eats you inside out. Or you surrender to it and let it just sweep you away and define for you all of reality and tell you this is what's true, this is what it will be like. You're, it's all deep calling to deep because they're wanting to come back together and swallow you. I think um, the end is fascinating because it's, again, a call to hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. If you go to 43, that's also, folks think, a continuation of this psalm. Um, I like this particular phrase on uh, 43. I'm just going to read it to you. 43.3, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill, to your dwelling. Do you see, again, what the psalmist is saying? In your words, the unfolding of your words is light and it's truth. If Jesus was here, he'd say streams of living water would well up from within you because the Holy Spirit is both um, God's presence and God's truth together, the bounty, the gift, right? So in sending forth and finding light and truth in the scriptures is how God ministers to us in these times. All right, so let's wrap it up. So where's the gospel arc here? We looked at the original historical meaning. How does it arc to Jesus and his salvation? Can you find it? I mean, this is, in a sense, what Jesus cried on the cross. And the deep called to the deep, and they did overwhelm him. And then we sang about it. I loved it. Uh, no, it was the confession. So why did he descend into hell? And what was the benefit of understanding why Jesus descended into hell? Because all the hellish realities of the great chaotic deep, all the emotional, spiritual, physical, eternal realities of hell, he, he took and quenched and killed and destroyed. And so in one sense... When you're in the deep, you no longer have the deep able to fold over you. You are like the Israelites, no matter how deep it gets. You have a clear path because of the work of Christ. You have a deep on one side and a deep on other. But nowhere, no how, will they, will they call back to each other and enfold over you. Because they already have in Jesus. And so you can grab your soul and say, why are you downcast? This deep cannot swallow you. Hope in God. Amen.